Yeah, I think we all feel the reality that parenting is one of the greatest joys of life. That the the blessings that come, the the memories, the the fun, the relationships, and yet it's also one of the most challenging things about life. And it's it's one of the things that um, reminds us over and over and over of our own sin, of our own inadequacy, of our own failures, um, and yet it's a great a great blessing. And uh, obviously, excited for our time together. In six weeks, we're not going to uh, solve every issue in parenting. You're not going to leave this class saying, oh, I now understand exactly what I should do in every possible situation that I will face. I am adequate for this. But I, I hope that you will leave this class with a, a fundamental understanding of the biblical priorities and wisdom that should shape every interaction. And then we spend the rest of our life and our kids' lives seeking to grow in, in applying those things, seeking to be students of God's Word ourselves so that we can shape uh, their thinking with that, and just committed to be sanctified ourselves. Some of the things that are challenges of parenting we'll talk about are more about God shaping us than about what's going on in our, in our kids. And and so uh, I'm excited for us to consider these things together. I, I want us to be able to interact, to, to ask questions, to think through things, particularly as we get into some more uh, practical things in the coming, uh, coming weeks. But today, I just want us to lay a foundation. There's some, uh, uh, some booklets there on your table. You're welcome to follow along and, and, uh, and take notes there if you would like to, if that's a helpful thing uh, for you. But Uh, Kind of the big picture flow of our class, we're going to start with some foundational thoughts today from the scriptures, and and then over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the two primary tools that God has given us as parents. Discipline or training, not just correcting, uh, but training our children and instructing our children, and the two are related, um, but those are the two primary tools that God has given to us, and we want to unpack what that looks like at, at different stages and how to do those things well, and then we'll, we'll spend the last couple weeks of class just thinking about some, some very practical issues and areas of life in today's world uh, and how those foundational ideas can, uh, can bear out in, uh, in addressing those kinds of things. At the back of the booklet, there's a a big, long resource list. I'm going to bring some of those in in the coming weeks and show you some of those. Um, You can uh, look through that and see. Obviously, I don't expect anybody to have or use all of those, but uh, some that are focused on different ages and and different issues and things that might be helpful for you that we uh, may or may not spend uh, time on in the course of our class. Um, those notebooks, you are welcome to take those with you. There's some questions you can uh, think about uh, throughout the week if you would like to. If you know yourself well enough to know that if that notebook or leaves this room, it's never coming back, um, you are welcome to leave it here, put your name on it, have a little basket. You can uh, leave those and pick them up the, the next time we, uh, we get together next week. Um, you know, as we think about parenting, I think one of the, one of the challenges of parenting is it can become a very consuming focus in our life at that season of life. I think this is particularly true probably for those uh, moms or others who are spending the bulk of their time with their children. All of life can quickly become all about parenting. And parenting is important, but it's not the only thing that matters in life. I, I remember a number of years ago, I was reading an article about and uh, NFL running back, and he was, um, was talking about his goals for the season. And he expressed that his goal was to rush for 2,500 yards, which had never been done before. He wanted to be the one to, uh, to set that record, and, and his focus was all about rushing yards. Now, there's a sense in which if you're an NFL running back, you would say, well, that's good. That's kind of your job is to rush. But when you think about what he was expressing about his goal for the season, what was wrong about his focus? It's kind of a bigger goal in football, right? It's called winning games. And it's a team sport. And, And it may be helpful for him to rush a bunch. It may not be. And so he had a focus that was on one hand a good thing, but it was incomplete at best, and it was a little bit uh, 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 narrow-minded and, and self-consumed. Guys, when we think of parenting, 
We need to understand that parenting is not its own segregated part of life like rushing yards are to football. It's, it's one part of the larger uh, work that God is doing. You see, parenting is not an isolated part of life. It's one piece of God's larger design for the family. Family is not just about parenting. It feels that way sometimes. <laughs> Practically, it's like, that's all we're focusing on. And, and sometimes we need to step back and realize it's also, family is also all about marriage. And there are, are long-term things, grandparenting. Your kids are going to leave. I didn't hear anybody honestly say that um, when I said, what are you looking forward to about uh, parenting? And, and, you know, what are some things you're excited about? Like your kid's leaving, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's how God's intent is for our family. We're, we're kind of in that mixed emotion stage with a 17-year-old where it's like, yeah, we're, you know, this could be good when you leave. Uh, but we love you and we want you here. But it's, it's that, that tension. So parenting is not forever. It's not the only thing that defines our, our family. And the reality is family is only one piece of God's larger eternal plan. God's plan is about more than family. There is a much larger purpose of God than simply family. And so if we're going to understand what it means to be a godly, faithful parent, which is one part of a godly, faithful family, which is one part of what God is doing in, the, in his larger plan, we need to first understand God's design for the family in that larger context of God's eternal plan. I want you to turn to Genesis and on the one hand, we could say, hey, we, for a parenting class, we're going to study the whole Bible. <laughs> well, we're not going to do that because we have lots of other opportunities to study the Bible. But we do need to understand that the story of your family and God's instruction for your family fit into the larger context of the story of what God is doing in the world and his instructions related to his eternal plan. Now, now, you are probably all familiar with how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And chapter 1 of Genesis unfolds how God is the uh, one who made all that is around us. And he made it all very good. And as the one who made it very good, he is the one who has the right to articulate what we should do and how we should live. You see that in, in the end of Genesis uh, chapter 1 when God made man, verse 26. It says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him rule over the fish of the sea and, and the birds of the sky. And so verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, the, the Bible is a story of God creating, God being the authority over that creation. Ultimately, we will see that creation rebelling against God, and God working to redeem that creation, to, to bring salvation so that his son is exalted and so that those who are his people are reconciled to him. And, and we have to understand that parenting and family fits into that larger plan. So I want to highlight just a couple of key principles from these early chapters of Genesis that we'll walk through. The first thing that is foundational for us to understand is that God is the ultimate authority over everything. He made everything. Say, well, how does that intersect with family? Well, it's huge. And parenting, it's huge, right? Because if God is the authority, the creator, the designer, there's a, another door over here if you guys want to slip in over that way. You won't have to jump over people. Um, if God is the, the creator and designer, it means what God says about parenting and family is what matters. He designed it. He's over all things. All things were created by him and for him. And in that context, he has designed families as a part of his larger eternal plan. He took that man and that woman, and what did he say to them? He said, be fruitful 
and multiply. You guys are, are fulfilling God's plan, God's intent, and God's design for you when you are having children. That's God's intent, God's design. And, and he has intended for that to take place uh, in the fulfillment of his larger plan. Families were designed by God. He has designed them as, as a part of something greater, but as an important part of what he intends. And we see in uh, chapter 2 that as God created man and woman, he, he said in, in verse 18 of chapter 2, kind of zeroing in chapter 2 on the creation of man and woman that he summarized in chapter 1 there. It, it says in verse 18, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And, and so he brought all the different animals. No helper was found. And so he, he brought uh, a deep sleep on Adam, verse 21, and he fashioned into a woman the rib which he took from the man, and he brought her to the man, and he said this, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, God says, Family is a part of my plan, and really marriage is the foundation of the family. He made man and woman, and he said, you are going to be joined together, and ultimately, those kids you have, what are they going to do? They're going to leave, and they're going to do it all over again. They're going to cleave to their wife and start their own new family, still with connections to you. But that's God's intent. And so marriage is a key part of parenting. Now, you all recognize this in, in some way, I'm sure. You, you can sense the, uh, uh, the fact that sometimes parenting stresses your marriage because of the issues with kids or the time of kids. You can see that when you are on the same page with your spouse, it makes parenting a, a much different ball game. And so, on the one hand, we could stop here and say, okay, let's spend six weeks on marriage, and then we can move on to parenting. We're not going to do that, but we do have to recognize that matters. Parenting is not an isolated part of life. Again, there are situations and circumstances where sometimes a, a spouse is not in Christ, or perhaps there's a single parent situation or other things, uh, and God is faithful and gracious to, uh, to work in those circumstances, but his intent is that there are Two people who are honoring God in their marriage who are now striving together to parent. And in that marriage, what we see is husbands are the head of the family. They play a unique key role. Again, we don't have time to unpack this, but the instructions that God had given in chapter 1, he was uh, funneling those through the man. In chapter 2, we saw that the woman is, is created as a, a helper suitable to the husband. And so dads in this room, you and I play a key role as leadership of our family, not sitting on the couch telling people what to do, but leading in a loving, sacrificial, servant-hearted way. And, and we are to be setting the tone for our families. We see in chapter 3 of Genesis, as sin enters the world, what does Satan attack? We'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. But Satan comes, and he, he comes not to Adam as God had communicated. He came to Eve. He begins to twist the roles that God had placed, and, and he starts to, uh, to undermine God's intent for the family, and, and as a result of sin, there's now blame shifting between man and woman. There are consequences from sin such that one of those things that happens in verse 16 of chapter 3 is there's a, uh, a curse given to man and to woman. Uh, the, to the woman, he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. Sorry, uh, I don't know what it was like before, but now it's a whole lot worse, as you ladies know. And, uh, and he says, in pain, you will bring forth your children. I, I don't think that's just talking physically, but the challenges of raising kids in a sinful world. And he says, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. What's that talking about? He's, he's saying the, those relationships that God intends are now twisted. Husbands want to dominate and rule instead of lovingly lead. And, and wives have a desire to, to control, a desire to be, to be over. As we have to recognize, parenting isn't isolated. 
if we're going to parent well, we have to be battling to have our, our families rep, uh, uh, accurately uh, picturing God's entire design. So marriage is the foundation of the family. Husbands are the head of the family. And, and children are an expected blessed addition to the family in God's design. We saw in chapter 1, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, most of the time, we think of our children, at least in part, as a blessing. There are times where we say, eh, not so sure. Uh, but we need to remember, they are a blessing. God intends uh, uh, them as, a, as a, a blessed addition to our family. And yet, that tension I mentioned earlier, they are to be raised to leave and start their own family. Now, if your kids are five months old, you don't have to spend loads of time thinking about them leaving yet. Although I think it's healthy for us to recognize this is a temporary uh, uh, situation that we have been entrusted with. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, But that's God's intent, is that we get married and we have a healthy marriage and then that is joined that family is joined by children who are there for a temporary season for God to accomplish his purposes through that and then they're going to leave and they're going to do it all over again unfortunately the realities that we all face and that we recognize is that sin has twisted and undermined everything God has designed including every aspect of the family It all sounds so simple, doesn't it? And yet there's sin. As we saw, twisting the marriage relationship, undermining and and affecting how husbands lead, affecting the parent-child relationship, affecting uh, all of the things that, uh, that come to play in the realm of life and parenting. And ultimately what we see is that the only hope is what? It's the gospel. Chapter 3, verse 15. As sin enters the world, as he is cursing the serpent and ultimately the man and the woman, God gives this hope. He says, I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. He shall crush your head. He says to the serpent, Satan, you're going to bite the seed, the the heel of the woman, the seed of the woman, a descendant of the woman, and he's going to crush your head. What's that talking about? Well, it's, it's it's the beginning of God's unfolding of the gospel, of the descendant of woman, of Jesus, with, with, uh, that, uh, that bruised heel, as it were, the, the cross, where Satan felt like, yeah, I got him. No, what really happened was Jesus crushed his head. Jesus won victorious. The gospel is the ultimate and only hope for the world and therefore for the family. So again, what I, what I want you to recognize, we could spend a lot of time on all these things. We need to think about all these things. The big thing I want you to recognize is we can't just think about parenting. We need to in a focused way. It's why I have this class. But if all we think about is parenting and we don't think about the larger context of family and all that God is doing in the world, we will not be good parents. Don't just focus on that narrow aspect of life. Don't be like that running back who says, my goal is just to be a good parent. Well, the only way you can be a good parent is when you understand the whole rest of what God is doing. So what does this mean for us as parents? Well, I would summarize it this way for you, that family is one piece of God's larger eternal plan, and parenting is one piece of God's larger design for the family. So how does parenting fit into that larger eternal plan? Certainly, it fits into it in very practical ways in the sense of God's design for parents and and the blessing of children and the the growth of society through the reproduction of of families. But I, I think we could summarize it in a way that's helpful for us in light of God's plan to redeem people from sin in this way. God's design is that sinful parents first be redeemed and transformed in Christ. You realize that's God's first goal for you that you would be reconciled to him 
through his son, and that then he would make you more like Jesus. Guys, if that is happening, you in one sense can say, I am, I am being successful in parenting because I am being transformed to be more like Christ. Your child may not be able to, to, to hit the toilet, but if you are being redeemed to be more like Jesus Christ, you can say, it was a good day as a parent. You know, you're, you are fulfilling what God's intent is for you if you are being redeemed and transformed. His intent is also that you display that redeeming, transformative work in your lives and in your family and world. You see, the reason God is working in you, part of the reason, is so that you are putting him on display for the world. Again, if we looked and continued through the Old Testament, what did God do? He zeroed in on Abraham and he made him a great nation that was intended to represent him in the world. We could look at examples in the the New Testament where God makes it clear, those that he is redeeming, he is doing so, so that they are putting his glory on display. That's God's intent. If if so, if people are, are seeing you as you are growing and being redeemed and transformed into the work of Christ, you bring glory to him in that way. So when your child sees you responding more like Jesus, maybe in response to something that they did that you hope they never do again. Uh, but you are, you are growing to be more like Christ and you are displaying that. You are fulfilling God's design for you as parents. And God also intends, thirdly, that you would be instruments of God's redeeming and transforming work in the lives of your children. That's why he's placed you in this role is to be an instrument in their life. Now, that's where we're gonna focus mostly in this class, because when you think of parenting, that's what you think of, and that's what the Bible directs us to, is here's how you can be an instrument in the lives of your kids to see them, by God's grace, redeemed from their sin, reconciled to God, and now growing to be more like Jesus. How do you do that well? But that's, that's one part of what God's doing. He's also working in us. You and I can't control whether our kids are redeemed and transformed. We can be faithful, but we can focus on our hearts and how we are growing in those things. So guys, don't lose sight of the big picture. It's not simply about getting your kids to check off certain milestones, as important and helpful as that would be. It's not just about making sure your boys will take showers so that maybe someday they could get a wife and move out of your house. You know, those things are important. You know, there's all kinds of things that we can focus on as parents that miss the big picture. So secondly, I want us to think briefly together about how not only can we understand God's design for the family, but how do we maintain the right focus as parents? We've already talked a little bit about this, but I I, I want you to think with me. When most people, not, not you so much or the person sitting next to you, but the Uh, most people, if you walked up to somebody on the street and said, hey, what is a good parent? What would most people say? Then it wouldn't be the same answer, but what are some things you would hear? Okay. Yeah, so a lot of people are going to focus on the outcome in the lives of their kids, right? A good parent is somebody who has obedient children or well-behaved kids or really cute kids who do what they're supposed to do. So some would focus on the outcome. What else? Okay, love, yes. Yeah. So some would just say, um, you know, a good parent is a, is a loving parent. So they'd focus on maybe the, the attributes and, uh, and attitudes of, of parents, a loving parent. What else? Okay, being present with their kids. Okay, they may focus on the opportunities that they're giving their kids. I think that's a common thing. So a good parent is going to um, uh, uh, allow their kids or work to have their kids uh, experience good opportunities educationally, maybe in extracurricular things or, or other things like that. What else? Okay, yeah, a good parent, particularly in our day and age, is going to be 
uh, very sensitive to not not shaping or directing their child is a, a very common thing today. Yeah, and again, there are, there are aspects of, of many of those things. It's like, yeah, it's right for us to think about those things and to, um, to, to be engaged in certain things. But I think we tend to be very results-focused. We tend to train toward outward behavior and appearance. We tend to think about what will other people think of me as they look at my kids. And the Bible says we got to focus on a lot of other things besides just providing the right opportunities for our kids or our own methods and techniques or, or the results in our kids' lives. I think most parents, if you ask, would say, you know what, I, I will be judged as a parent by the outcome in my kid's life. So if they are good kids, whatever that means in our circle, or good young adults, whatever that means in our circle, or at least I clearly did everything I could to make them that. So if they don't turn out that way, I at least want to be able to say, well, it wasn't for lack of effort on my part. We did whatever we could for schooling or extracurricular things, or we used these techniques as a parent. So at least at the end of the day, it's not my fault that they didn't turn out to be that way. It's very easy to think that way. Very easy to be consumed with a focus on that outcome. And again, we should think long term, but the scripture help us to maintain the right focus. And one of the things it, it very clearly encourages us to think about is to target your child's heart, not simply their behavior. If I ask you today, what are some behaviors of your children that really get under your skin? My guess is we could generate a pretty lengthy list. Um, maybe you could say, what are the behaviors this morning in your children that get under your skin? You know, there's, there's a long list. And so it's easy to say, okay, it would be great if we could just nip those things in, in the bud. Well, the scriptures call us to care about behavior, but focusing on the heart. Proverbs 4, 23 puts it this way. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Or Jesus in Luke 6 says this in verse 44, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good The evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. He he elaborates a little more in Mark 7, 21, where he says, from within, out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Now, your kids may not be characterized by everything on that last list, but if I said evil thoughts, let's think about that time when our our child thinks, I hate my sibling. That's pretty common, at least uh, in in most children. Uh, Thefts, you know, you may not think of your kid as a thief, but I'm confident that if they're like mine, they've taken things that are not theirs from a sibling. Maybe that's that one child that I have who likes to snack and who we've told time and time again, you need to ask before you grab something from the pantry. And she walks in and she takes it from the pantry and she's eating. It's like, and she knows better. She's a thief. Murder. You know, Jesus says anger is murder. You know, hopefully again, we haven't had the full murder in our home, but anger, common Deeds of coveting. Oh, you ever have a, a, a child, if you have more than one children, child, who wants something that another child wants? Kind of like all the time, like fighting over, over things. We were given this big box of clothes from some friends uh, who are cooler than us and larger than us. And so um, we got this big box of clothes. They cleaned out stuff. And it's, it's nice, the fancy stuff. And oh, you, you know, to see our children, their hearts come out like, that's mine, that's mine, no, it's mine. And like ripping clothes, I mean, not really quite that bad, but it's like, that's the heart that comes out. Wickedness, deceit, kids ever lie, exaggerate for uh, getting what they want or for getting a sibling in trouble. Envy, jealous of, of others, friends, 
other people that they know, siblings, slander. Your kids ever say something intentionally that's not quite true about somebody else so that they get in trouble? Pride, foolish. I mean, all those things. What does he say? Man, if you can just stop that, your home will be peaceful. He says, no, those things flow from the heart. You know, again, we, we all have those behaviors that we want to see changed. You know, we want to see our kids not bicker with one another, not argue over this, uh, this uh, uh, you know, piece of clothing that was given to us. We want to see our one-year-old eat, eat the peas that are on their, their, their plate, or we want to see our four-year-old not get mad when we discipline them, or, or we want to see our six-year-old stop sneaking pins out of something and writing on stuff that, that we don't want them to, like themselves. We want to see our eight-year-old actually brush their teeth and not lie to us about brushing their teeth. We want to see all kinds of behavioral change, but those things flow out of the heart. Unfortunately, it's too easy to manipulate our kids into just acting kind of the way that we want them to and being content with that instead of wanting to see heart change. We need to maintain the right focus as parents. If our goal is that our kids are redeemed and transformed to be like Christ, The goal is that we are focusing on their heart. We'll talk more about what that looks like, how that affects our discipline and our instruction as we go. A second thing we need to focus on is to strive for faithfulness rather than simply fruitfulness. You know, Ephesians 6, which is a verse we'll look at a lot over the coming weeks, verse 4 says that fathers are to bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It doesn't say fathers have obedient children. And I'm thankful for that. Because God holds us responsible, not for the outcome, but for our faithfulness. Again, you might be in this class primarily because of a specific child that you want to see change as soon as possible for the sake of your family. Um, And we, we all have desires like that. But God wants you to step back and to focus on long-term faithfulness. Because we, we have to recognize God's called us to trust him and to be faithful. And to leave the results ultimately up to him. We have to focus on faithfulness rather than simply fruitfulness. You know, we also, thirdly, have to pay attention to who we are, not simply what we do. This is related to that temptation to focus simply on methods, on what we do. To walk away from a class like this saying, okay, we got our checklist. This is how we're supposed to discipline and train and instruct. So if we just do this and this and this and this, we are now good parents. Our kids will be great. We got this. Well, there is a sense in which we need to care about what we do, but we have to focus first on who we are. First Timothy 4, Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a young pastor, and, and uh, certainly not everything that relates to being a young pastor relates to being a, a father or a mother, but there are a lot of things that are similar in terms of shepherding uh, other people. And, and he wrote to Timothy, and he said this, he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. He, he says, it's not just about what you do publicly. It's not just about checking the right boxes, it's about who you are. You see, a a good thing that can distract us is the desire simply to do the right thing as a parent. I I want you to think about it this way. There's a difference between godly parenting and being godly parents. When we focus on godly parenting, we look at all the parenting verses in the Bible, and we're going to do that. Don't worry. Uh, it's a six-week class. Don't be disappointed this week when we don't get to all that. Um, so we're going to look at things like Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9, which talk about talking about God's word with our kids uh, all the time and, and uh, being interactive with them about God's word. We're going to look at Ephesians 6, 4, uh, which talks about discipline and instruction. And we'll look at other passages that flesh out what that discipline looks like. And, and uh, Psalm 145, 4, one of my favorite verses, which says, one generation shall praise your works to another. That's what we do. Our focus will tend towards what we do as parents. Okay, what do those verses tell me to do? How do I do this? We will focus on parenting methods 
and success will likely be determined by the results in the lives of our children. Is this producing what we think it should? And we'll tend to view parenting as a segregated part of our life. But if we focus on being godly parents, we're not going to ignore those verses, but we're going to see those verses in context. I want to give you one example. Look at Deuteronomy 6 real quick. Flip over to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 has a lot to say about parenting. In verse 7, it says this. It says, you shall teach them, God's word, diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. He says, this is what you're supposed to do. But guess what? Deuteronomy 6, verse 7 and 8 occur in a context. Notice the context. Look at just back two verses. What's he say? Verse five. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today show what? They shall be on your heart. And then what do you do? Well, now you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk, by the way. Yes, so you and I, we can just try to do verse seven. I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to talk about this stuff. But if we don't love God with all our heart, if these words are not on our heart and we're just going through the motions of doing the right things as parents, we've, we've missed what God intends for us. You see, if we're focused on being a godly parent, which means our hearts are where they need to be. We're loving Christ and, and dwelling on his word ourselves. And out of that is flowing the things we should do as parents. Our focus will tend toward not simply what we do as parents, but who we are as parents and how we're growing in Christ-likeness. Our focus will first be on our hearts and, and motivations, not simply what we do. Success will be determined, determined more by faithfulness and fulfilling our responsibility. And parenting will be a related part. We'll view parenting as related to everything else that we're doing in life. Because we need to pay attention to who we are and not simply what we do as parents. Now, this is either really encouraging <laughs> Or it's really sobering. What do I mean by that? Well, if you love Christ, and you love his word, and you are striving to grow to be more like Jesus, and that's what you long for in your life and heart, and you are not perfect in that, but you're seeing growth in that as you engage in personal spiritual disciplines and in the life of the church, and, and you see yourself growing, you are like well on your way to being the kind of parent that you need to be. In some ways, I could say, we're done, go. Love Jesus, love his word, parent. Now, we're gonna get more specific than that because the Bible does, but you are well on your way. At the, on the other hand, if you say, man, I just wanted a six-week class where you told me this is what I'm supposed to do so I could check those boxes and move on, the Bible is very disappointing in regards to that. It says, no, that's not what it's about. You can't just check those boxes. You can't just try to do the right things. You have to try to be the right person. You have to be an, a follower of Christ. And so again, we're gonna talk a lot about parenting, what we do, but it starts with our own hearts. You know, if you're here today and you read verse five and six of Deuteronomy six and you say, I don't love the Lord with all my heart. I, I'm really more consumed with me. And I don't really want God's word dwelling in my heart. You know, you may pick up a few things that are helpful and that can be a blessing and benefit to your family in this class, but you will not be the kind of parent that God intends. It starts with us recognizing who God is and recognizing our sin and our need for a Savior and the fact that Christ came and, and died on our behalf so that if we repent and believe, we can have life. And if we believe that and we understand what God has done for us, 
our response is going to be to love him and to be eager to give ourselves for him. And that includes in the realm of parenting. We got to focus on who we are, not simply what we do. And, and related to that is centering. We have to center our lives on Christ and not on ourselves or our children. And again, this is really what you cannot fake. <laughs> You can go through the motions on a lot of different things as a parent, but you cannot fake what is truly the center of your life. Now, again, are any of us going to do this perfectly? No. Are any of us going to be, you know, entirely loving Christ with all our heart at every moment of every day and in every interaction with our kids? No, we're not. But if we want that and we're repentant when we don't and we are modeling for our kids that desire and the pursuit of that, that's what it means to be a faithful parent. It means our, our lives are centered on Christ and not on ourselves or our children. You know, again, we could spend uh, and will spend the rest of our lives learning more about what that looks like. But I, I want you to just think about it in the context of parenting. Here's a couple diagrams that are uh, adapted from a book, Gospel-Powered Parenting. You know, it, it's easy as parents to be child-centered in our thinking. Subtly, not intentionally, but our lives look something like the circle on the left there, where Christ is something that we are, are thinking about. You know, we come to church, we, we do things that are related to following Christ. But then if we're honest, we're kind of the next focus, and then our world revolves around our children. They are the center of what we are thinking and how we are responding and even how we are structuring our life. There's a real temptation for all of life to revolve around our kids. Now, don't hear me in that saying, don't love your kids and serve your kids, but do live knowing your kids are not the center of the universe. And if you are communicating to them that they are, you are teaching them something that is horribly wrong. On the other hand, if we are living in a Christ-centered mindset, Christ is the forefront. Christ is our, our central priority of our life. We love him most. We are seeking first his kingdom. We are committed to serving him and knowing him and being like him. We have the parent next in that the biblical priority is marriage, actually, before children. God says you have to be be. Uh, focused on that long-term relationship, the health of your marriage, and then you still have a priority of children. So that's how we need to help our kids to, to understand what is true in our home, that they are important. We love them. We would sacrifice anything for them other than following Christ. So when your kid wants something that is in conflict with following Christ. You say, well, man, my kid would never do that. They do that all the time. You know, probably this morning, one of you had a child who didn't want to get out of bed and come to church, or they wanted to do something else at home. If you asked them, hey, do you want to go to church? Or do you want to stay home and play video games? They would have said, didn't know that was an option. Happy to play video games, Right? I mean, so your children constantly will be desiring things that are contrary to following Christ. You have to teach your kids, guess what? You lose. Christ wins on those things. It doesn't mean you don't give your kids stuff that they want or enjoy, but it means your life is centered around Christ, around what he calls us to be and to do around his priorities. Sometimes it's not the child who's at the center Sometimes it's more that we're parent-centered. So Christ is out there somewhere. Our kids matter. But really what we want is at the center of our, uh, our attention. So we don't have any problem telling our kids no. But the reason we tell our kids no is not because Christ is ruling in our hearts and most important to us, but because we are. So our kids want to do something. And we're not thinking about, well, what does Christ have to do with the priorities of life as it relates to this that our kids want to do? We're just thinking about ourselves. So our kid wants to go do something with a friend, and that means I have to drive you there. Well, the child-centered family, parents are going to say what? They're going to say, you bet. 
Let's do it. You know, they're going to think about the consequences or the, the result or the, uh, the, what that means for the family priorities. The parent-centered fam- parent, they might say, no, you can't go because I'm sitting here watching a playoff football game, and uh, you can maybe do that some other time. You know, the Christ-centered family, what, what is the thought process? It's going to be what honors Christ and fits within the framework and the parameters of the priorities that God has given us. I love you. I'm eager to serve you. I'm going to consider your needs more important than my own, but I'm going to consider Christ and his kingdom as what matters most. And so if that opportunity is going to keep us from the priorities that God has given us clearly, then no, we're not going to do that, not because I don't like you or care about you or want you to do uh, things that you enjoy, but because Christ is the center. Again, you cannot, and I cannot, fake this. And it's not just about the decisions that we make. It's about what shapes every response in every interaction that we have with our kids. Is it that we are loving our kids more than Christ? Is it that we are loving ourselves more than Christ? Or is it that we are loving Christ, and because we love Christ, we are loving our kids the way he calls us to? Okay, we're going to flesh this out more in the coming Uh, sessions in terms of how this focus on Christ affects all kinds of things in life. We're going to answer all those questions. But again, if you walk out of here saying, you know what? We do want to want to see Christ first. We do love him more than anything else. We want his priorities to be the center of our life. And we're going to spend the rest of our life learning about those things and implementing those things. You are well on your way to being the kind of parent that God gives, God calls you to be. But lastly, this morning, just briefly, having considered the larger picture of what God is doing and how parenting fits into that, and having considered some things that should shape our focus as parents, the last thing I want to give you is just a couple of, of critical truths that we need to balance intention in our mind. And again, we'll, we'll touch on some of these more as we go. I just want to lay them out there as we think about these things. Truths that are tied to God's design for uh, or of and the his intent for the family that must be kept in balance you know I, I would say that satan loves to twist things and he loves to take things that that should be held in balance and he loves to say i'm going to twist that and get that out of balance so you saw that we saw that in genesis 3 with the the roles that god has established in marriage where there's a a husband who is a loving leader and a wife who is a, a, a joyful helper. And, and Satan says, well, if I can just get that off a little bit, <laughs> make that loving leader still think they're in charge, but now they can rule and dominate. You know, they, it's kind of the same idea, just a little bit out of whack. It's, it's twisted. He says, I love that. And, and there's a lot of things in parenting that we want to keep in the biblical balance. The first that we've already spent a fair amount of time alluding to is the priority of the family and the broader plan of God. We want to keep that in balance. Family and parenting is one of the most important priorities in our lives. Family and parenting is one of the most important priorities in our life. We need to recognize that. God says this matters. It's a key part of who you are and what you do, and yet God is about more than simply families. We have to recognize the priority of the family balanced with the broader plan of God. You guys, this shows up in big things in life. So if your kid comes to you 10 years from now and says, mom, dad, I I really have a heart for the nations and I want to go be a missionary and serve in a, in a very difficult part of the world for the sake of Christ. And you say, ooh, I, I thought I was going to get to be a grandparent and have grandkids nearby. And I had this view of family that is important and matters. And you say, ooh, well, wait a minute. God is doing something bigger than just family. You know, those are hard things to wrestle through and navigate. But you guys, we got to recognize family is important. It's a priority. But it's not the big picture of what God is doing. It fits into that. The priority of family and the broader plan of God. Again, this shows up even in the mundane details of our lives. You know, that balance of family time and ministry in the church. That's these things in tension. You know, it's not okay to say, yeah, we're not going to go to church very often because we need family time. No, you need family time, but you need to be engaged in the broader life of the church and the things that God is doing. 
We have to balance the priority of family and the broader plan of God. Secondly, we need to balance God's sovereignty and our responsibility. We'll talk more about this in the context of discipline, but we have to recognize the fact that only God can change your child's heart. The sobering reality about focusing on our kids' hearts is we are now powerless to change them. You can change your kids' behavior to some extent. You are bigger than them, at least for most of us, for most of the time that we have kids in our home. You have more money than them. You can find buttons to push that will affect their behavior to some extent, but you cannot change their heart. Only God can change your child's heart. And yet parents are the primary means God uses as they are faithful to train and instruct with God's word to change a child's heart. So rest in God's sovereignty, depend on God's sovereignty, and yet be faithful in your responsibility. We can get those things out of balance. We can focus on God's sovereignty. Well, God's the one who can change a person's heart, so I'm going to sit here and not do anything. No, no. God says be faithful, but be faithful in a way that recognizes this doesn't depend on you, this depends on me. We need to balance God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Third, we need to balance parenting today with an eye to tomorrow. Recognizing that parenting is a long-term commitment that requires long-term, really an eternal perspective. If we're going to think rightly about parenting, we're thinking about the 18 years they're in our home. We're also thinking about eternity and preparing our children for eternity. We have a long-term view. And yet we also recognize that parenting is the briefest of opportunities and each day must be seized. See, if we focus just on the long-term, we're going to say, you know, I'll start that tomorrow. We'll, we'll work on that hard issue tomorrow. We got 18 years. I mean, why, why stress today? There's a lot going on. But if we don't focus on the future, we'll be very myopic in, in how we approach parenting. So we got to think about the future, but we got to parent like today might be the last day we get to parent. And the reality is, it might be. Parenting is the briefest of opportunities, and each day must be seized. Those of you with very young children, you will hear the, the people who have older children in this class say things like, it really does fly by. The time goes quickly. It does. It's, not a, just a, it's a cliche for a reason. Because it's true that, that it goes fast. I can remember like it was yesterday when my 17-year-old turned nine. You say, why was nine such a significant birthday? Nine is not double digits. Nine is not teenagers. What nine is is half of 18, And my thinking was, you know, she may stay longer than 18, but she's an adult at 18. We're halfway done. We we are, are halfway through the season where we have an intentional or a really powerful opportunity for day to day interaction with our daughter. She's now 17. And it seems like it was yesterday that she was nine, and our youngest is now. Uh, past that stage as well. You guys, it, it, it flies by. We need to balance parenting today with an eye to tomorrow. We also need to balance related to what we've talked about. Parenting is about God using me to change my kids versus thinking about parenting is about God using my kids to change me. Now, your kids are probably not intentional in their desire to help God refine you. Maybe. But in every interaction with your kids, God desires to change them. He's, he wants you to be a faithful instrument. And you need to think that way. As you are interacting with your kids, not in a, in a crazy way like this is the moment that's going to change my kid's life. But you need to view all of your interactions with your kids as a part of shaping them, training, and instructing them. But you also need to recognize that in every interaction with your kids, God desires to change you. And I would suggest that in many of them, that's the primary thing that God is actually doing. God is at work in you. Again, your child is not like this uh, super faithful instrument of God. God did not come to your child and say like, um, you know, Johnny, if you can just put off potty training truly for another six months, it will be a a great blessing in the sanctification of your mother. And so Johnny said, yes, Lord, send me. Um, I will not, 
I will not, uh, I will resist potty training for six more months so that my mom can be more sanctified. Um, that's not how it works, right? But God is, is sovereign. And the trials and challenges of parenting, guess what? Those are opportunities for you and I to grow in our understanding of God and his word, to have our heart refined, because all those things that flow out of our kids' hearts, they flow out of ours too. They, they come out of us. And w- our interactions with our kids are opportunities to see those things, to humble ourselves, to repent, to grow in our own thinking about God and about his word and about ourselves and about Christ. God desires to change you. Last thing for us to consider in balance is, is this. We want to be balancing, modeling the fatherhood of God while also being a child of God. We'll talk more about this in the context of discipline as well. But I want to encourage us to think of it this way. We are to be a model for our kids of the loving, authoritative fatherhood of God. Your kids learn about God in a variety of ways from a variety of people, but one of the primary ways they learn about God is by your example. So you and I, especially dads, have the chance to model for our kids, this is what God is like by how we treat them. Now, we don't model everything about God. They don't look at you and say, you are clearly omniscient like God is and you know all things. No, but we get to model God's character, love that still is, is just. Kindness and patience that doesn't turn a blind eye to, to sin. We, we get to model all the things, that, the ways that God interacts with his people by how we interact with our children. That's a, a very powerful opportunity that God has given us to reflect his character. And yet we also are to model our kids being a humble, dependent, submissive child of God. And again, I, I think most tend uh, to, to, to err on one side or the other. We kind of focus on that authoritative, you know, I'm in charge, I'm going to model what it means to, to be an authority and for you to have an authority. Or we tend to model like, I'm just like you, and I'm not going to be an authority, and I'm not going to speak into your life in those ways. We need to be both. <laughs> That's hard. But we need to be an authority, uh, a loving, gracious, kind authority as God has placed us. And again, we'll flesh this out more. But we also need to model for our kids a humble, dependent, submissive child of God. It means we go from telling our kids what to do and disciplining them when they don't with patience and kindness and grace to confessing our sin to them and humbling ourselves and admitting that we too fail and fall short. The temptation is when we, when we fail and fall short, when we're a child of God just like them, we're dependent on the Lord and we need his grace and mercy, that now we stop doing the other things that God has called us to do. Or if we do the other things, we're like, well, I can never admit to my kids that I actually struggle with the same things because I'm disciplining you for, being, uh, for grumbling and I'm grumbling about you grumbling as I'm disciplining you for grumbling. And it's like, how does that work? Well, it's these things. It's, guess what? We get to model that these things matter while also acknowledging that we are still growing ourselves. So you guys, let's embark together on five more weeks of thinking about parenting, about what we do, about what this looks like, about how we interact with our kids in a way that is faithful. But let's do so knowing that that is just one part of what it means to be a godly parent that we have to recognize God is about something much bigger than simply our family. Our family fits into that larger plan of God being glorified through the redemption of sinners to himself. Let's keep our focus, not not just on are we doing the right thing, are our kids turning out okay, focusing on our kids' hearts and ours, focusing on being faithful, focusing on loving Christ and becoming more like Christ ourselves so that we can reflect those things to our kids. Again, look forward to the, uh, to the continued time together. Look forward to the fellowship. There are some questions for reflection in your, in your book there. You're welcome to take that book with you. You might snap a picture of those if you want to leave your book here. 
and uh, would encourage you over the course of this class, spend some time thinking about these things outside of this room. (laughs) If you walk out of this room and you kind of switch it off, you come back next week, you, you, will, you will not see the change and the growth in your parenting that, that you hope and that God intends. But if you take time outside of this class, talk with your spouse about these things, reflect on these things together, consider God's word together, uh, then that's what will allow you to see real long-term lasting growth and change. Um, let's pray, and then we can uh, uh, enjoy some interaction with each other before heading end of the service. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you that you are a gracious God, that you are a savior, a redeemer, that you are the glorious creator of all things who deserves all praise. And in spite of our rejection and rebellion, you made a way for us to be reconciled to you through Christ. And Lord, I pray that each of us would would love you with a whole heart because of who you are as God, because of what you've done as our Savior. And Lord, I pray that would be our central desire for our kids, that they would come to know you and love you. And and Lord, I, I pray that you would give us wisdom as parents, not to focus on just the, the details of life and miss the big picture, but help us to be faithful in considering these things Lord, we look forward to the coming weeks together. Pray that as we consider the specific instruction that you give to parents in your word, that it would be helpful for us and that we would be able to apply those things with great care and discernment in the unique situations that we find ourselves. We thank you for our kids. Lord, we pray that that should you, Terry, that uh, that they would far surpass us in their love for you and their knowledge of you and your word and their devotion to you. For your glory, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.